you know, that started taking off. So we could we didn't have enough capital. So I launched private investment funds and, and started taking in capital into our funds. And then we started having too much capital, more than we could deploy. And we said, well, how do we help other people trying to run businesses similar to us? And we started then lending money to others who were running business similar to us, other in real estate investors. So it's happened in a very natural manner um, of progression off of helping home sellers in, in, in our beginning days. Podcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Baby Got Backstory podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. How in the world can anyone afford housing expenses these days? The market is going crazy, and the rising cost of housing is far outpacing the rise in wages. It's truly the crisis of our time. I'm Mark Gutman, and on today's episode of Baby Got Backstory, we are talking about, you guessed it, real estate, housing, and living fully. And before we get into this episode, I want you to live fully. I want you to excel in all eight Fs. You're going to need to listen to today's episode to understand what that truly means. And that all starts by heading over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and giving us a five-star review and rating. By this point in our lives, we all know that algorithms rule the world. And as such, Apple and Spotify use these ratings as part of the algorithm that determines ratings on their charts. Show that algo who's boss and rate this podcast. Own the algorithm. Don't let it own you. Thank you for your reviews. I do appreciate it. Today's guest is Don Wenner, founder and CEO of DLP Real Estate Capital. And as you'll hear, DLP Capital has $1.6 billion in assets under management. And they are on track to be a Fortune 500 company. You could say they are going places. DLP Real Estate Capital is a multifaceted company that leads and inspires the building of wealth and prosperity through the execution of innovative real estate solutions. DLP Real Estate Capital is the parent company to DLP Elite, DLP Capital Partners, DLP Lending, DLP Realty, DLP Real Estate Management, Alliance Servicing, and Alliance Property Transfer. And they are located in Pennsylvania and Florida and conduct business all throughout the United States. So what does all this mean? DLP is taking on the workforce housing crisis head on. They're on a mission to align affordable housing with investor returns. No easy task. In addition to running DLP, Don Wenner is an author and speaker. He is passionate about fitness and health, devours books on a weekly basis, and enjoys many outdoor activities and discovering new places with his family. And this is his story. I am here with Don Wenner, the CEO of DLP Capital. Don, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Mark. Really excited to be here. Well, really excited to have you. Uh, before we get into it, uh, can you talk? What is DLP Capital like? What do you guys do? <laughs> uh, we do we do a few things. So, so yeah. So DLP Capital uh, is a, the parent company to about a dozen operating businesses that operate under that the DLP uh, brand. And then, short, we're a private real estate investment and financial services company. Um, easier way to say it is we invest in in housing, specifically workforce housing. And then we do a lot of different ways we do that and execute on, on that. And we're really focused on you know making an impact on the affordable workforce housing crisis in America today. Yeah. And affordable housing, it's a topic that I'm sure we'll get into deeper later in the episode, but it's it's a hot topic right now. It's a real, real issue. Yeah, it's ne- never, never been a bigger issue than it than it is today. That's for sure. Well, um, I'm happy to hear that you're working on that problem and looking forward to talking more about what that looks like. But before we get into that, you know, is real estate something that you've always been interested in when you were young and a young, a young kid? And where'd you grow up, Don? Uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, oh, about an Bethlehem. hour north of Philadelphia, you know, known for Lehigh University, uh, probably most of anything today. 
Yeah. So, you know, when little Don was running around Bethlehem, like, were you into real estate? Did you think that this was going to be something that you'd be into uh, as a career? No, never, never gave real estate uh, a moment of thought until I was uh, uh, probably until about two weeks before I got into real estate. So uh, it was never, never on my mind in, in any way, uh, shape, shape or form. So um, I think I don't know. If, I don't know. I guess today, you know, more and more, we have a lot of kids coming out of college, you know, who are getting degrees in real estate. And it's, uh, I guess, more in, in vogue today. But uh, at the time, certainly real estate was not a uh, uh, something I thought of or, or knew any other kids thinking that real estate was going to be their their career path. Yeah. So what were your influences uh, growing up? I mean, did you come from a family that was entrepreneurial? I did not. Um, so so my parents had me at 16. So like most 16-year-olds, my parents had no money and uh, um, so grew up in uh, you know lower middle classes, I guess the, the, the nice way to put it, you know, working uh, family um, you know, bought our clothes, either made them or bought them at a yard sale and, and, you know, scraping to make ends meet each and every week and month. And, and, uh, and it was, you know, great, humble, humble way to, to grow up. I'm the oldest of, uh, four grown up five now as I've adopted a sister and, and, uh, my parents got divorced when I was four though. And, and, uh, so made, made, uh, ends a little even tighter, uh, at growing up and, uh, in uh, the eighth grade, my, uh, kind of a big influence for me was I was already entrepreneurial. You know, my, my dad told at my wedding uh, a story how he knew I was going to be an entrepreneur in kindergarten when he started packing donuts into my uh, lunch bag. And I started selling them to my classmates for, for 50 cents a piece. And, and when the school found out and, and called and cut my donut supply, that's, you know, kind of when he knew and and I never heard that story. I mean, I remembered it when he said I hadn't heard it until my wedding when he when he told it. But but that was kind of my first uh, entrepreneur experience and did that all through elementary selling, selling different things, running landscaping businesses and employing my friends and stuff like that. And in in the eighth grade, a uh, financial advisor came into career day and he showed this little chart that said uh, financial advisors made more money than doctors, lawyers, accountants. You know, all the jobs your parents tell you to, to become. And uh, so I was entrepreneurial and he explained, uh, you know, financial advisors independent and kind of is in control of their own business. And you have to be good at you know math. And I was like, well, that's me. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And literally, I was, you know, very annoying eighth grader shadowing financial advisors and uh, spending my summer trying to learn the business. And I was set. That's what I was going to do. Uh, moved out of my parents' house in high school at, at 17 years old and uh, supported my way through the rest of high school and into college and had my mindset while I was at Drexel University studying finance that I was going to be a financial advisor and uh, worked at BlackRock and McGladry in Poland and some good sized companies, but knew I was going to be a financial advisor. And uh, and that was until I would wait tables on the weekends to, to help make, you know, make ends meet and pay for my, uh, you know, room and board and whatnot. And um, a guy kept coming into the restaurant I was working at. And his name is Nathan Robinson. And, and Nathan convinced me one day to come meet with him because he wanted to, he kept wanting me to come work for him and didn't really know what he did. He told me he was in the security business. So I finally sat down and met with him and turned out he was in the ADT, you know, alarm system security business. And he told me I would make $2,000 a week uh, if I came to work for him. And uh, I was 19 at, the, at that time. And um, and $2,000 a week sounded, you know, pretty good. And, and it was a lot of money at, you know, 19 years old, you know, this is, you know, you know, uh, 16, 17 years ago. And, and so, um, I, for some reason believed him and I started working for him the next day. And my first paycheck was $5,280. Um, that was one of my worst paychecks I'd ever, I ever earned from there forward later in life. Uh, many years later, I found out no one had ever earned a thousand dollars a week for him. Uh, let alone $2,000 a week, but because he gave me that belief, that's what I, I thought what I was supposed to earn. And my whole job was, you know, knocking on doors. That's literally what I did all day was I knocked on doors and, you know, became the top sales rep in the country for ADT and making a lot of money and, and uh, saving a lot of money. And, and Nathan also happened to be in real estate. He was a real estate agent at Keller Williams. And he convinced me if I got my real estate license, I would do really well. Um, st still in college, kind of didn't sleep for a couple weeks. Uh, took my classes online, took my exam, and 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 that weekend I flew out to a marketing conference. The weekend I got my real estate license, and I learned the concept of direct response marketing and having a unique selling proposition. 
my message from that first weekend before I ever, you know, had a signed up at Keller Williams Real Estate was your home sold guaranteed or I'll buy it. And it was October 2006, which was the peak of the real estate market. So it was a good time. And in, in, in seriousness, it was a good time to get into business. What didn't, many didn't think it would be, but it was uh, that kind of was the, the start of my, my real estate career. Yeah. And so what do you think Nathan saw in you at 19 as someone, you know, working as a waiter in a restaurant, you know, and, and what do you think he saw in you? Like, what, what did you exhibit at that time? So I know one of the, the specific things that would grab his attention is, you know, I worked at, at the time I was working at a Texas roadhouse. Um, so yes, I had the line dance. It was a, it was a, it was a interesting <laughs> uh, job, but uh, you know, every night they would do uh, and if anybody's ever worked at restaurants, you probably experienced this, you know, you, you had, they would have a, a contest of, you know, whoever sells the most fillets tonight or ribeyes or whatever earns, you know, whatever it was a hundred bucks or, um, or, um, you know, some, some sort of incentive. So when I, when we started off that shift, whatever the item was, that, uh, was the hot item for the night, that's what everybody was eating. Um, so, uh, so Nathan realized that, you know, he didn't really get to dictate what he was having and he was, you know, a, you know, a, a lively charismatic guy and, you know, have a lot of fun with it that, you know, um, he was going to eat whatever, you know, he knew what the special was and he knew that's what he was having. So, um, after the third or fourth time of, uh, me selling him on, on some sort of special, um, you know, he saw, saw some sort of, you know, energy and excitement that, uh, uh, you know, he wanted to, to explore. And, and I don't think I was the first he recruited after restaurants, not that I was uh, so special. He, you know, he realized it was gonna be a great place to find people willing to work hard and uh, used to being out in front of people. And, uh, and uh, so uh, gave me, you know, gave me a chance. Yeah. You know, I think there's a rite of passage working at a chain <laughs> restaurant and knowing like either line dancing. I worked at Chi Chi's and so I had, to sing the, <laughs> I, had, I had to sing the birthday song. I just actually sang it last week for a friend because I'll never, <laughs> I'll never ever forget it. Maybe, maybe at the end of this episode, I will delight listeners that, with that. That would song. be awesome. But yeah. And so that, that's all cool. And you're working hard and you know, you're, uh, you're catching Nathan's attention, but I'm really curious, like, where does this drive come from? Because I sense like, you know, yeah, there was some some financial incentive there. You wanted to make money, but why? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. So, you know, not to uh, uh, detour a little bit, but, you know, I, I just published a book called Building an Elite Organization. And 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 I, I, I've said this a couple of times, I joke, like if I, if I could answer your question you just asked me, I wouldn't have wrote the book Building an Elite Organization. I'd be writing books on parenting. Uh, because if we could all, you know, figure out as, you know, father of two, two young boys, you know, if I knew the exact formula to what, you know, what creates that drive and, I mean, that, you know, grit as, as, as we like to call it, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what, uh, I'd be, uh, I'd be an expert in today. And, and, you know, I do believe that grit is what separates the most successful people in the world from everybody else. And I believe that's a fact, not a, not a, a theory. But, uh, you know, the question is, how do you instill, uh, you know, grit? How do you instill that, that drive? And uh, I think there's lots of things that, you know, uh, and, and I try to do as a parent, such as an example um, is, you know, I don't, uh, I don't tell my children, you know, my children are eight and nine today. I don't, I don't tell them, you know, you're so smart or you're so handsome or you're so athletic. I, I reward the behavior. And so I reward, you know, man, I, you know, you three touchdowns today. And I said, man, it's so impressive. You had three touchdowns. And man, I'm really proud of how hard you worked this week in practice and, and, and how you really, you know, improved on, on this. And you know, they get, you know, you get high honor on all A's. I'm not saying, man, you're so smart. I'm saying, really, I'm really proud of how, how hard you've been working on your homework and the amount of effort you've been putting forth and kind of rewarding the things you can control versus what you, you can't control and the, the effort and the behavior. But, um, you know, for, for me, um, you know, I, my, I didn't grow up from entrepreneurs. You said, actually, my, my mom's been working for me now for 14 years, my father for 12 years, my stepmother for seven years, my stepfather for four years. Much of my family works in, in the business. None of them came from an entrepreneurial background or none of them, frankly, have the uh, sort of drive that, that I've, I've always had. So, uh, but, uh, so I think part of it is coming from humble background helps. And, and that's definitely a concern. I know many who, who, Children are growing up in, in an environment of of uh, of uh, abundance. Um, uh, trying to make sure you keep that that drive and that that, uh, that focus. So I don't have the the exact answer. I, I feel though, growing up with you know limited limited means and and dealing with some uh, embarrassment as a is in you know kind of middle school age of not having the cool clothes or shoes or 
or whatnot. Certainly, I think those things help shape you and shape kind of the drive to, to take control of, of these things and um, were, were certainly impactful for me. Yeah. And so you're, you're working in the real estate business. You're getting your start offering to buy houses guaranteed if, if you can't sell it. Yep. Uh, how, how do you make the leap from that, from getting into the business to starting a business like DLP? You know, for, for us, it, it, everything, you know, so, so it looks today like, you know, I work with, you know, we help a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking to scale their businesses. And, and especially, especially we help a lot in the, in the world of real estate and, and a lot look at what we do and we have, you know, we have a, we can show a pretty slide or a pretty page of our family of businesses. And they look like they just work so well together. And like, you know, I must've sat back 15 years ago and crafted this, this vision and, and, you know, and, and poof, like, you know, we have this, this, this perfectly set up organization, but you know, the reality is that's, that's not how it, how it happened. And really, you know, what we did is we, we looked for, you know, challenges that, that are the clients, the people we were coming in touch with were, were, were struggling with and tried to find solutions. And, and so it, it happened very, very naturally, you know, it started with, as you said, I was a real estate agent offering to guarantee to sell your home. So I was going out to home sellers homes and offering to guarantee their sale. And that led to some people couldn't even wait to put their home on the market. And we would just start buying their home because they were in such need of selling, especially in the great, you know, uh, recession time. And we had some people who were upside down on their home and we started a short sale negotiation company and, and scaled that before there was such thing as short sales. And, um, and, you know, and then, you know, we started having people who didn't want, you know, couldn't sell their home because they were upside down, didn't want to do a short sale and kind of destroy their credit and, but needed to move. They were relocating for a job or whatnot. So we started doing property management so that we could help them rent that home because they needed to move out or move somewhere else. And, so it all just came out of helping, you know, home sellers in the beginning stages. And then, you know, as we started growing and helping more and more people and started growing this home flipping business, we couldn't find enough good contractors. I'd found one really good contractor, but he couldn't keep up. Um, so I hired him to come inside into my organization, launch our own construction company and help us, you know, scale a construction company. And, and, you know, and that, you know, really started growing. And then, you know, the bottom of the market, we said, Hey, it's the bottom of the market, you know, 2011, 2012, or it must be near it. And we said, this is the time to build a portfolio. And so we started really building a portfolio of rental properties and providing housing to those who couldn't qualify to, to buy and in need of, of, of homes. And, you know, that started taking off. So we could we didn't have enough capital. So I launched private investment funds and, and started taking in capital into our funds. And then we started having too much capital, more than we could deploy. And we said, well, how do we help other people trying to run businesses similar to us? And we started then lending money to others who were running business similar to us, other in real estate investors. So it's happened in a very natural manner, um, a progression off of helping home sellers in, in, in our beginning days and, and has taken shape of where it is today, which, you know, today we're, you know, closing in uh, by the end of this month, 450 employees, team members, you know, uh, 1.6 billion in AUM and, and, you know, doing hundreds of millions a year in revenue, but it's happened, you know, very naturally over these last 15 years. Yeah. And for those of you listening, AUM is assets under management. So yeah, we'll thank you. Uh, get get, get uh, clarification on the jargon there. So, uh, <laughs> and thanks for that, Don. Yeah. I mean, I think about that and I have so many questions on that, on that last segment there, because how do you do it? Like, how do you keep starting businesses and ensuring that they fall underneath DLP in a way that is is satisfactory to you, right? I have to imagine that you have very high standards that you, uh, you're creating this, this business, uh, empire, if you will. And, but it's, it's not just like, Hey, I'm just gonna, you know, you know, throw something on the wall and see if it sticks. It has to, you know, be up to your standard. Like, how do you do that? And you yourself not get caught up in the details and not get mired down and being a, a doer versus a leader. Yeah, that's a, gr- a great question. And I, I'll start first start kind of with the last part of that that note is, you know, I, I believe strongly my job today here at DLP and, and over the past 15 years and each of our, you know, senior executives is still to be doers. So, you know, we expect our executives to be doers, managers and leaders at the same time. And that's not easy, um, but that's been, you know, really critical, you know, for, for our, our success. And, and, um, and I, I'm still roll up my sleeves, you know, every, every single day. And, and, and and it, it helps a ton staying, you know, keeping your feet in the in the dirt and, and understanding what's really going on. But, um, you know, I'd say a couple of things to answer your, your question, though, is, you know, first is I was never uh, afraid uh, to hire. 
And uh, I realized early on, you know, in sales, you know, I realized that, you know, my, the fundamental stage, we're all salespeople in every, every business, then they, your core, your core uh, function is, is sales. And so my beginning days of being a real estate agent, it, I realized if I wasn't on the phone prospecting to potential clients, or I wasn't sitting in front of a potential client, uh, my time wasn't being best used. And so I was in the business for maybe 60 days when I took another agent in my office who wasn't uh, doing very well and offered her a part-time job. By the end of that first week, she was working more than full-time. And two weeks later, she was so busy, I hired another assistant. And then about a month later, I hired the third. Two of those three uh, young ladies are still working for me today. Uh, but uh, I was willing to put people in place to free me up for to do what I knew was most impactful where I could make the biggest you know, difference. And and in the beginning, that was, you know, that was really uh, impactful. And, and, and I put, built an organization around, you know, some people who are willing to follow me and work really hard and, 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 and free me up and, and follow me in towards my, my vision. And, and I was, you know, uh, constantly trying to, to learn and grow and realize, especially in the world of big businesses such as real estate and financial services and lending, there's lots and lots of people who've done this and have done this successfully. And there's other people who walk before me who, who've, who've done it. And so I, I constantly wanted to learn from from others, and so still to this day, you know, I'm an incredibly avid uh, learner. I read, you know, three four books every week, and and so I was reading and learning, going to masterminds and learning from so many great people, and getting all these great ideas and concepts from the the greats like Jim Collins and John Maxwell and and so forth, and and um, but getting all that information in, in in into a in a manner that you can put it all into place, right? Because you read one great book about leadership and it tells you that's all you need to, to grow a great business. Another one is just management. Another one it's content marketing, and another one it's you know it's execution. Another book it's all about hiring, right? And but the reality is you need to be good at all these things at the same time as part of one system. And and so we set out you know about ten years ago now and realizing we needed a system to. And a system that I could get everybody in the organization around to be able to really have consistent results. And, and that's where what I just wrote a book on called Building Elite Organization is about. It's what we've built over the last decade called the Elite Execution System. And what I believe is every organization has four quadrants. their strategy, people, operations, and acceleration. And acceleration is sales and marketing integrated. And you need to be able to grow all of that together, part of one plan in order to be able to grow consistently and profitably. And uh, that's been really key to how we've grown, you know, by over 60% every year now for 15 years while growing our margins is putting that discipline in place. And when you get put that structure in place and language and terminology that that every business in our DLP business operates under, and you realize most all, all businesses are more similar than dissimilar. And, and as we've gone through a lot of businesses, 12 that we run today, I've run over 20 businesses in total over this past you know, decade. They're all very, very similar and they have the same challenges and uh, are very, very similar challenges and, and putting the right structure in place that allows you to, to be able to execute each day and put the right people in place um, has been you know, really uh, uh, instrumental in, in the success we've been able to have and be able to grow multiple business at the same time without yet coming up with a, a way to add more hours in the day. Yeah, and I imagine that staying consistent, staying cohesive, staying connected across all those business units and different businesses is a bit of a challenge. And like, so from my perspective, you know, I think, you know, what role does brand play and brand building play in the DLP story? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tremendous uh, uh, for us. And, and so the way I think about it is, is, uh, and I think more and more uh, people today are realizing the, the connection between brand and culture. And so, you know, we, we have a a full-time, uh, 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 executive here at DLP, Patrick, whose uh, title is Chief Experience Officer, and his he's the connection, you know, in in from an executive leadership standpoint between you know CX customer experience and EX and employee experience, and 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 I think what's been really powerful for us in, in growing our brand is is the level of 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 transparency between our culture and our brand, and and there's no difference, right? Who we say we are to potential employees or to our existing employees is exactly the same, as well as exactly the same as who we portray ourselves to be to all the different types of clients or stakeholders we, we serve. And, you know, our, our, uh, the book, again, Building Elite Organization, we're teaching this system that we run to other, other companies. And many, many cases, these companies were helping implement the elite execution system who were teaching, hey, this is how to grow a great organization. Well, they're coming to our meetings. 
they're seeing the internal operations. We let them come and see a lot of things hands-on, right? So if we're going saying, hey, this is how you should run a, an elite organization, but then they come into our organization and realize, wait, you're not actually doing what you you said you're going to do, right? Or, you know, we run these big events um, that we bring our, our, kind of our world revolves around kind of two groups, those who invest money with us into our funds, and then those who we invest money with, that we lend money to and invest equity with. Right, we'll run these big events where the same these two groups of people come to the same events, right? And so if we're a different person to those investing with us and we tell a different story to them than we tell to those we're lending to, right? If I tell my investors who are investing with us, hey, we pay you these really great returns and incredible returns, and that's because we overcharge our borrowers, right? And then we tell our borrowers that we're giving them really great rates over here, right? If, if our stories aren't matching between all the different stakeholders from our team members to our residents who live in our properties, to our investors, to our, 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 our borrowers, it becomes very, very hard. So, uh, so we really focus on that first and foremost in terms of growing our brand. And then, you know, we're going through a process literally right now, you, you referenced, you know, I, that I run a company called DLP Capital. Actually today, our company is called DLP Real Estate Capital. And uh, we're actually going through a rebrand process right now of knocking out the real estate and DLP capital and, and realigning our businesses. Right now, we run DLP real estate capital and we have DLP lending, we have DLP realty, we have DLP property management, we have DLP uh, construction management, et cetera. We're actually going through a process right now of rebranding everybody under DLP capital. So now instead, it'll be DLP capital lending division, DLP capital property management division, DLP capital, you know, so everybody's under one brand. If you work at DLP, you're not going to say I work for DLP lending. You're going to say I work for DLP capital lending division, right? One LinkedIn page, one, uh, you know, main website. Um, and that's a really big, you know, move that we're going through right now to better align uh, the brand and be able to better align all the products and values we can bring to clients under, under one umbrella. So that's, you know, a very active uh, process we're going through right now, which has been a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of, been a lot of excitement. A common question I get all the time is, Mark, can you help me with our brand? Yes, we help companies solve branding problems. And the first step would be to schedule a no obligation brand clarity call. We'll link to that in the show notes or head over to wildstory.com and send us an email. We'll get you booked right away. So whether you're just getting started with a new business or whether you've done some work and need a refresh or whether you're a brand that's high performing and wants to stay there, we can help. After you book your brand clarity call, you'll learn about our brand audit and strategy process. We'll identify if you need a new logo or just a refresh. We'll determine if your business has a branding problem, and you'll see examples of our work and get relevant case studies. We'll also see if branding is holding your business back and can help you get to the next level. So what are you waiting for? Build the brand you've always dreamed of. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes or head over to wildstory.com and send us an email. Now back to the show. I think what I'm hearing is something that I, that I like to touch on and talk about is that branding is always this ongoing process, right? Even though uh, right now you're going through some identity work to bring all the companies under one banner and, and one look and feel, that's not going to end just with that process. And it's an it's an ongoing process. And I want to make a, a point of that. And I think you've, you've articulated that. And so as you're speaking, I have to ask, you've got like 1.6 you said billion, right? And yes. uh, asset center management. Yet now you're even starting to teach other businesses how to run a company like yours. Like, why? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the the first you know root uh, reason at the end of the day is is uh, as first and foremost, I believe it's it's my responsibility. So you know, I believe you know I'm I'm very I've been very blessed with uh, you know living in this time, living in this country. Um, with the skills and abilities that that I've been blessed with from from the Lord, and and it's my job to do those uh, for the best, you know, good of 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 this this world, and 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 feel called to 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 help other companies um, succeed, help individuals grow. It's it's not not easy, and I've been you know uh, figured out certain things through through a lot of uh, uh, hard work and 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 teachings and 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 other people willing to give me their time and, 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 you know, uh, share, share into, into me. And, 
And um, so that's the, the first reason. Second is, you know, we are very focused here at DLP on, on impact. And we have four areas of impact where we're, we're focused on. First and foremost is, is in most obvious is is housing. That's what our whole world revolves around is is housing. So we focus on investing in workforce housing that is and will remain affordable for the local workforce. And that's really everything we do uh, impacts that. The second big area of impact we're focused on is jobs. And uh, right now um, in, in America, mainly due to you know automation technology, uh, 30 to 50% of jobs uh, will be gone in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, I don't think it's doom and gloom. That doesn't mean our country's ending, society's going to hell. I think you know, technology is going to create a big wave of, of job creation and, and new types of jobs. But those jobs are only going to be created by small businesses, or, or I should say predominantly by small businesses, right? They're not going to be created by governments. They're going to be created by uh, small businesses. And I know uh, firsthand uh, how difficult it is to grow a business, despite being an amazing time that we're faced with, you know, global competition. It's very challenging to grow, to grow consistently and grow profitably. And um, so I believe uh, it's needed, you know, a system to, to scale uh, entrepreneurial businesses is needed and, and can be the difference between an organization hitting a plateau of a really great CEO and some you know, followers who get to a million or 3 million or 5 million or whatever of revenue and just can't, can't grow beyond that, can't create more jobs, can't really make the level of impact uh, that they, they like. And, and then we're also, you know, really focused on two other areas of impact, which tie in. The third is on legacy. And uh, we, we want to help people live and leave a legacy. And, and uh, right now, those who work really hard and have success, unfortunately, uh, the majority of, of, First generation wealth creators, wealth is lost by the second or third generation, and uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And not only is the wealth lost, but often they didn't really leave a legacy or get to, to live one, and um, for for a number of reasons, which we could get into if we wanted to. And then and the fourth uh, crisis we're really focused on, which ties all these all these other crises really together, is is happiness. And uh, you know, right now we've never been in in, in a state of a higher uh, percentage of people suffering from mental illness. The number one mental illness people suffer from is depression and stats are kind of all over the place, but it's, you know, somewhere around 40% of Americans are struggling with depression is the most recent stats I've heard. COVID has dramatically uh, sparked that up. And, and I believe that uh, historically, you know, meaning the last many generations, people get their, their feeling, their happiness and their, you know, drive, you know, happiness is derived from the feeling of importance and significance. And, and people, you know, Dale Carnegie in the great book, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know, says that the number one human desire is that of the feeling of importance and significance. And historically, we get that feeling from our work. And more and more today, people don't get, have that same connection with their job, with their employer, with their careers they, they once did. Couple that with social media and the feelings of inadequacy that, that many face. I believe it's our job as, as leaders to help our team members connect their day-to-day work with, with making an impact bigger than themselves. And that by doing that, that that'll help them get the feeling of significance and importance that they can carry into their, their home life, into their, into their faith life. Uh, and, and we focus a lot, and we, a whole chapter of, of the book is on living fully. And we focus heavily on helping our team members live fully across the eight Fs of life, which are faith, family, friends, freedom, fun, fulfillment, uh, fitness, and finance. And, and I believe that's our job as, as, as business leaders, helping our team members uh, get gain the importance and fulfillment in, in all areas of their life. And, and so I want to help not only grow great uh, organizations, but also help those organi- organizations uh, create happy, uh, impactful people um, who can make an impact at work and, and outside of work. Yeah. Can you give us an example of a uh how you support, would you say, is it AFs? Did I get that right? AFs, yeah. AFs? Yeah, um, absolutely. So so one of the, the core fundamental tools, uh, kind of where things start with our, our operating system called the lead execution system is developing what we call a compass, which is laying out a clear direction to where the company's going, starting with purpose and mission and a clear BHAG and understanding your core client and your brand promises and um, and, and and then getting into what your three-year aim is for the organization and, and laying out a very clear one-year bullseye. And that's kind of the centering point of, 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 of our elite execution system. But we have a similar tool we call the personal compass. And uh, so here at DLP, every one of our team members uh, creates a, a personal compass where we help them evaluate their own personal mission statement. 
help them do what we call a life assessment and go and assess their life across these eight areas of life um, and evaluate where they're at today. And then we help them set a living fully dashboard, which is setting uh, generally about 10 goals each year across these eight Fs of what they want to accomplish in the next year to live fully. And uh, just going through that process of really evaluating your life, looking at it holistically, setting clear goals, and then building a culture of helping them achieve those goals. And we don't just do it once a year as an exercise. Uh, we, we live it throughout the year. We have a living fully day where we spend a whole day focused on everything but work and bringing all kinds of experts on personal finance, meditation, fitness, et cetera. Um, we do Miracle Morning every morning, actual workout group every morning on Zoom. People all over the country do. We have a morning prayer group. We have a fit life group. We have a, 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 a single mom support group. We have a lot of things focused on whatever the needs of our team members are. We have this group called Driven for Greatness. We've been meeting for 12 years. Um, we read a book together. Uh, we buy everybody Audible accounts. We buy everybody Fitbits. We buy everybody Beachbody On Demand accounts, a lot of personal tools. And we read a book together. And different frontline team members lead us through the discussion of that book every other week. And getting people who, who otherwise wouldn't be exposed to self-improvement and these types of ideas in this in this environment, think about construction workers and maintenance technicians and such who think would never have haven't listened to a business book in their whole life before coming to DLP, and now you know leading a group on on uh, a book on you know a, a personal development book. I mean, it's just a really really cool uh, process. So um, you know, and then doing things, helping people be able to you know have appropriate time off, helping show firsthand. You know, I I coach my kids soccer. Um, I don't know nothing about soccer still, even though I coached this past season, but I also coached their uh, football and their, and their basketball sports. I know a little bit more about and, 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 you know, so my, so, and I, and I highlight that and show that organization that, yeah, I leave, you know, work at five 30 and go coach my kids sports and, and, and having that, that in work life integration, as we call it, where you're, you're focusing on being fulfilled and succeeding in each of these areas at the same time, which is where real success, uh, I feel comes from. And so, you know, our leaders, not just myself lead, uh, by example, and, and, uh, and we want to really create a, a great environment. I had a team member uh, a few years ago, this is probably about eight years ago now who had a heart attack and he had some other, you know, he was a smoker and had some other, you know, issues, but, you know, he'd been working really, really hard. And, and a lot of us had known he'd been really stressed out and been, you know, really pushing himself too hard. And, and luckily he, 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 he ended up living, but we, he, we thought he was, he might die. And, um, and he was, it was on, it was touch and go for a while. And, uh, you know, that hit me and I was like, man, I never want to be looking back saying, man, somebody literally died here because they worked so hard. They didn't take care of themselves. Uh, I don't want to be, find out that one of my team members, they got a divorce because they're not home and they're not attentive to their wife. And, um, and, and because I'm working them so hard. Right. So, so, so those are some of the, you know, simple uh, concepts and things that we've put into place to really help our, our, our people live fully. And those are the lessons uh, we teach and provide very specific tools to help put this in action into, into other businesses. Yeah, it's super inspirational. And thank you for sharing it. It's no question or no wonder why uh, DLP is seeing such success. You can really feel it in that explanation of going through the eight Fs. And so when you think about your business, What's hard about it? What what don't we know? What don't we see? What don't maybe even most of your team members see? Like what, what's hard about it? You know, I'd say the the hardest part, you know, I, I think about every business, no matter what its size is, really every problem starts and in, in many ways sort of stops around leadership. So I believe every problem we have is is a leadership problem at, at, at its at its core. So, you know, from a simple standpoint, the hardest part when you're growing at, you know, 60 plus percent a year is in leadership development and our, our focus. And we believe the key to having a truly enduring organization over many, many decades is our ability to develop leaders, you know, develop people from the front line coming in at the, at the front end of our front line of the organization, be able to develop them into senior executive roles. And, um, but when you're growing at this kind of pace, we've also had to supplement with hiring great leaders from out, outside the organization and integrate them into the culture. And, and it, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard as much as we've heard over the last you know, year about high unemployment in different cases. The reality is every company, especially every growing company, is struggling to find enough good people, let alone strong, strong leaders. So that's the biggest day-to-day -day challenge. And that's been the number one place where I spend my time. The number one place I spent my time in the past decade, uh, pretty much the same thing every week, every month is on hiring. And then the second biggest place I spent, spent my time for the past decade is on 
the development of our, our people, especially uh, uh, our leaders. Um, so that's the, the biggest challenge. I'd say the hardest part though of that is uh, when you get, when you have people who are really love the organization, who, who work really hard, but just can't get to the next level to keep up with the pace of growth. And when you have to either, you know, some cases part ways or have to, you know, sort of hire above somebody's uh, capability, despite that person's well intentions and wanting to, to be able to own that, that job, not being able to grow at a fast enough pace, kind of the saying, you know, I've heard in the past is, you know, those who got you here can't get you to where you need to go. And, and, and certainly I, I look at first and foremost, when that happens as a, as, 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 as my fault and in and, and that it's a leadership, uh, shortfall that I didn't uh, get my people to the point of being able to handle the growth fast enough. And uh, so that's the, the hardest part. We have such great people who are well-intentioned and, and want to be successful, want the company to be successful, um, but just simply have a, have a, a lid uh, today anyway. Um, and we've had to you know go and hire above. And some of those cases have turned out to be incredible success stories where they've been repurposed or been okay having some reporting somebody else and have thrived and grown and other cases where the, you know, people's, uh, even though we're, you know, one of our core values is humble confidence and we have very limited egos here. Some of the people's, you know, egos can't uh, a lot, can't accept kind of when that happens and, and we've, we've lost some, some good people. Um, so that's, that's been, I'd say the biggest uh, actual challenge um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And as you, as I'm processing those thoughts around the, the challenges that you have internally and in running the business, what are some of the challenges that you're experiencing in this affordable workforce environment? Like, you know, I'm not that familiar with it. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing a lot of our listeners may not be like, what, what, what's that challenge? You know, I'd say the first fundamental part of the challenge is, is make, is aligning what's good for, you know, what's good for society or the world or with what's good for, for us or for our investors and, and trying to align that always. Right. Because, a lot of real estate, good, great companies, good real estate operators, developers are actually a part of the problem, not the solution. And what I mean by that is a lot of companies out there, they go and buy, say, an apartment community where the rents are $900 a month, which almost every place in America today needs more $900 a month apartments. And so they buy that community where rents are $900 a month and they come and they have an investment plan that, that makes sense and they dump a ton of money into that property and they drive the rents up to $1,400 a month. So when they bought the property, it was affordable for the working families, you know, for the local, you know, teachers and uh, nurses and so forth, their families could live there and afford to, afford to be there. And they come in there and they put so much money to the property. It makes great sense for the company. It makes great sense for their investors, but it doesn't make great sense in that you just displaced hundreds of families who are now already, there wasn't enough affordable housing in that market. Now there's even, even less and an estimated 500,000 units of that are affordable for local the local workforce uh, in America today per year are being removed from the affordability pool. And that's one of the, the reasons. And, and by affordability, what I mean is that, that the local working families are spending less than 30% of their income on rent. And uh, about half of Americans today are spending more than that. And over a quarter of Americans today are spending more than half of their income on rent. Um, you just simply can't afford healthcare, food, education, when that much of your income is going for the basic need of, of housing. So uh, that's the, you know, that's, that's, you know, challenge one is making sure we, we certainly have investors and we certainly want to do good for, for our investors, but while uh, not uh, being part of the problem, but instead being part of the, the solution here. So, so that's, that's difficult and, 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 and we've done it. And that's, that's our, our business thesis. And that means some deals that otherwise would work for us don't work um, because we're not willing to, uh, to, to make investments that aren't going to make a positive impact and keep and preserve uh, housing that's affordable for the local workforce. So that, that's one challenge. The other challenge is right now, and it's never been uh it's never been harder than it is today is right now rent growth is just incredible. We're going through the greatest growth in rent in the affordable sector, meaning, you know, in the, you know, in, in the space of in markets of seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, eleven, twelve hundred a month housing across the United States, rents are going up right now faster than they've ever gone up. Uh, since COVID, it's only skyrocketed the growth in rents to, to a pace that, that we've never seen. Uh, in the last decade, rents have gone up 70% in America. 70%. Incomes have gone up 4 to 6%. Rent has gone up 70%. That's not a sustainable uh, formula. 
so again, it's it's a balance of certainly we want to for our investors, you know, take part in some growth in rent and that helps our investors, but we don't want to uh, be in a situation where we're making uh, our housing uh, unaffordable for the local workforce. So, you know, it, building cost uh, and and uh, and and you know the whole kind of supply chain right now, pricing is is going up. And uh, it's making it harder and harder because incomes just simply aren't aren't keeping pace. So it's a it's it's a heck of a challenge, and and doing so, keeping your your housing affordable while not sacrificing, making sure you're truly creating a great lifestyle for your residents. You know, we want our communities to be safe. We want to invest heavily in enrichment of our residents. We do a lot around enriching them, helping we call choose prosperity, giving them access to education and knowledge that they otherwise wouldn't be exposed to. Uh, uh, helping them with jobs and career advancement and healthcare and and so forth and it's 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 a major a major challenge um, and uh, it continues to seem to get harder and harder and this this immense uh, you know whether it's short term or, or permanent this inflationary environment we're in today um, is making it you know even harder. Yeah, I mean, it seems like given the numbers that you stated and in the scenario that you outlined, uh, an almost impossible challenge. So, I mean, thank you for taking that on. It's it, it seems like you know, deck is certainly stacked against. So, you know, finding success there is is, is a real accomplishment. And as as you look to the future, Don, like, what does the the future look like for DLP? Like, what's 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 next? Yeah, so you know we've we we have a, a family of businesses as talked about before today that are all growing really quickly and all serving you know a uh, tremendous need and and making an impact which is exciting and you know as we look ahead at our pace of growth and, and of our our growth and our assets you know we're growing at an incredible pace and and as 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 incredible it is is what we can do with the capital and employing more people and, and making a direct impact through our hands on. Uh, investment into these uh, affordable housing communities, workforce housing communities I mentioned and so forth. What we've realized the biggest impact we, we're going to be able to make is to take the, certainly the capital, but also the knowledge and resources and systems um, that we've uh, developed and, and making them available uh, to more uh, businesses and entrepreneurs and families. And that's where the, the the book comes into play. And that's where we spend a lot of our time where I spend a lot of my time is helping uh, companies. A lot of our focus is certainly around other real estate companies who are also investing in this space of making an impact on on workforce affordability, but helping more and more companies can make an impact on this jobs crisis and happiness crisis. And so our ability to kind of expand our our platform and our and our footprint to 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 make a, a much larger impact is the is the kind of the challenge where. We're, we're tackling uh, right now, and and uh, it's been been a lot of fun and, and exciting. And you know, our BHAG right now, to, you know, big Harry audacious goal is to be a Fortune 500 company. And uh, at our current pace, we'll be there in in really a blink of an eye. And there's a, a few years, which is exciting and humbling at the same time. But realizing that if we keep doing, you know, doing what we believe to be right and and doing the right thing and building building our, our brand and culture around the you know our values and you know, it, we're really just just getting started. And, you know, there's great books out there on topics like small giants is, is a classic one that, you know, that, hey, you can have a small business that's that's great. And and I challenge anybody looking to grow a business that if it's a great business and you're really helping people, there's no way it can stay small. Um, it can't be a great business and stay small. And and I've accepted a while ago for, for a short period of time in my life, I looked at, wow, when all of a sudden I realized I had a couple hundred employees, I thought, Wow, what a, you know, started feeling like that was a liability and started feeling like, wow, that's, that's, I didn't really set out to employ hundreds of people. And now I've quickly learned that, you know, it's my greatest asset and, and the greatest opportunity I have is, is the ability to employ people and, and directly and indirectly through, through uh, our investments and, and uh, partnerships and education of, of other businesses is, is our, our kind of greatest opportunity we face today. And, and, uh, it's a lot of fun and, and exciting and haven't been more excited uh, in our 15 point uh, 15 year journey so far as I am today at the kind of the opportunities right right in front of us it's it's, it's we're having a blast fantastic and, you know and we'll make sure to link to all things Don Wenner in the show notes we'll link to the books DLP everyone will have access to all those resources so they can easily connect with you and and look you up Don as we come to the end of our conversation here, I'd like you to think back to little Don selling donuts, going okay. and making 50 cents, 50 cents a donut. And, you know, if he saw you today, what do you think he'd say? 
Well, that's, that's an interesting question. No, one, no one's asked me that one before, but a funny side story while I think about that. So so I tell this the story of this uh, donut story in, in the kind of beginning of, of, of the book. And yes, just yesterday, for the first time ever, I met with a, a gentleman who runs a, a, actually a bank, a CEO of a bank, and he handed me a pack of these little uh, hostess donuts. No one had ever done that, uh, that I sold back when I was a kindergartner. It was a, it was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool moment as, as that was uh, definitely, uh, you could say, a pivotal, pivotal moment. You know, I'd, I'd hope um, that if I, you know, uh, look back, I'd be, uh, I certainly think I was old um, as uh, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Think, you know, I grew up with my parents having me at 16. So, you know, I was, you know, 20 years old and my parents were my age. And so, uh, so they'd probably be thinking I'm pretty, pretty old as I was my grandparents age at, at five years old. Um, but uh um, and I hope, hope, uh, hope I'd be, uh, be proud. And I guess the best way I think about that is, you know, I have an eight and nine year old and, and, uh, I hope, hope they're proud. I, I, funny story. I was talking to my, I was in the car taking my kids to a flag football, uh, practice a lot, uh, about two weeks ago. And so I have my two sons back there and one of their other teammates, another kid back there. And, and I asked the little boy, I said, so what does your dad do? And he tells me in long detail, his dad works for Johnson and Johnson, and he's the software engineer and, and he builds these prosthetic arms and great detail. Right. And, and I asked my son, I said, I said, who's Donnie? I said, Donnie, what, what, do, what do I do? He says, he does something with money and real estate. Um, so I uh, didn't quite know, even though he's been into my events and dinners, but it was money and real estate. So I guess he was, he was a uh, partial pretty, pretty right there, but, uh, but, uh, but hopefully they're proud. They, they tell me I'm really cool because my book launch is going on right now and they keep seeing my book ads pop up on their iPads. So right now I'm a celebrity and I'm, I'm really cool because I'm on YouTube and I'm on uh, NBA 2K. So I'm, I'm, I'm winning right now in my, my kids' eyes, I guess. And that is Don Wenner, founder and CEO of DLP Real Estate Capital. Quite inspiring, isn't it? Our conversation made me ask, am I living fully? Am I playing all out? Or am I thinking too small? It's always amazing to see financially successful companies solving real social issues, such as affordable workforce housing. It furthers my belief that entrepreneurs are the answer to most of our problems. And congratulations to Don, who I think might be the first ever eighth grader who grew up dreaming of being a financial planner. A big thank you to Don Wenner and the team at DLP Real Estate Capital. We will link to all things Don Wenner, including his two books in the show notes. Make sure to check them out. There's tons of valuable insights and information there. And if you know of a guest who should appear on our show, please drop me a line at podcast at wildstory.com. Our best guests like Don come from referrals from past guests and our listeners. Oh, wait. And I did promise to flex my own Chi-Chi's restaurant experience. So here we go. Happy, happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you, to you, to you. Ole! That's how you do it. Well, that's the show. Until next time. Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. I like big stories and I cannot lie. You other storytellers can't deny. 